Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Amen. Say, I take eyes to see, I take ears to hear. I forgive everybody of everything. I receive supernatural debt cancellation. The Word of God that I'm about to receive will enable me and empower me to make Jesus famous in my everyday life. You may be seated. Open your Bibles with me to John chapter 16, verse 13. John chapter 16, verse 13. And if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phones or on your device, I encourage you to open it up to where it says more and go to events and you'll see my message title for today. Go ahead and save it to your device. You can follow along with me or look at it later and share it with others. Also, I encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel or our podcast or check out our website because this message will be on, this, on all those uh, platforms later this week. John chapter 16, verse 13. So if you've been with us over the last few Wednesday nights, we've been sharing a series called Preparing Your Family for 2019. Preparing Your Family for 2019. And so today will be part four. Now, if you miss any of those series, the notes are on the YouVersion Bible app, but all of those messages and the videos will be online later this week as well, so you can get ready for what God has in store for next year. Amen? So John 16, verse 13, I'm going to do a little bit of review to set up what the Holy Ghost has for us today. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, the Holy Ghost, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak and he will show you things to come. That word show means to announce. He will announce to you things to come. As we have covered in the past, the Holy Spirit speaks through the word of God, the inward witness, the voice of our conscience, and his more authoritative voice in our hearts. The Holy Spirit also speaks through his ministry gifts of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Some of the Holy Spirit's communication comes through the vocal or inspiration gifts of the Spirit. Those gifts are the gift of prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. The simple gift of prophecy is a supernatural message in a known language. Divers kinds of tongues is a supernatural message in an unknown language. This is not your private prayer language. Your private prayer language is something God gives you when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost. But there is a gift of the Spirit that operates when the Holy Spirit moves to a certain believer through his ministry gift called divers kinds of tongues, which is a supernatural message in unknown language. But the interpretation of tongues is the interpreting of that supernatural message in an unknown language into a known language. So we can say diver kinds of tongues plus interpretation of tongues equals prophecy. Diver kinds of tongues plus interpretation of tongues equals prophecy. So on October 14th, through the interpretation of tongues, the Holy Spirit said we are entering into days of awe. Days of awe. When I first heard that phrase, and I began to look it for it. First, I thought, man, maybe this is a phrase that I recognize from the Old Testament because I recognize that phrase. But as I began to study, I didn't find it specifically mentioned in the Old Testament. But as I began to research more, I found out that the days of all commonly refer to the high holy days on the Jewish calendar. Starting with Rosh Hashanah and ending with Yom Kippur, they're called the days of all or the days of repentance. These days of all days of repentance are characterized as a time for serious introspection. 
One of the common customs that occurs during the days of awe is to seek reconciliation with people you may have wronged during the course of the year. Now go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20. We talked more about that on that previous on Wednesday night. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20. King James says it this way. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. The New Living Translation says it this way. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. The Passion Translation says, and don't be one who scorns prophecies, but be faithful to examine them by putting them to the test, and afterward, hold tightly to what has been proven to be right. So we're not supposed to people to go, oh, that's just another prophecy, or uh, someone's prophesying again. That's not what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be people, okay, if the Holy Ghost is speaking, is this prophecy? Yeah, is he prophesying? Then we're going to hold fast to it. If this is what the Lord said, this is what we're going to believe. So go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. As we just said, said, God is able to do what he said he was going to do. So we're not supposed to be people, oh, it's just prophecy. Well, I don't know if it's come true for me. No, we're supposed to be people who believe the prophetic word of the Lord. We believe in the gift of prophecy. We believe in flowing in the prophetic. We don't believe in flowing in the pathetic, but we believe in flowing in the prophetic. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Verse 13, familiar story about Jehoshaphat and Judah as they're surrounded by three armies. They're overwhelmed. Judah has a formidable fighting force, but they can't take on three nations at once. It is a surprise attack, unprovoked by them. And so Jehoshaphat, the king, calls for a national fast. The whole nation shows up, young and old. They all come together before God. They fast and pray. The king ends his time of prayer, and it says, And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Methaniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye, or pay attention and obey all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And you, King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you. Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go ye down against this overwhelming army. Behold, they come up by the cliffs. You shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem." Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. 
And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites and the children of the Kohathites and the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. And we see in context here, it's also believe the prophetic word of the Lord and you will prosper. So notice, in order to receive what God said, they had to believe. The key thing here is they must believe. So if you do not believe, you will not receive. Say, if I do not believe, I will not receive. But if I believe, I will receive. So on Wednesday, September 26th, a word of prophecy came forth that said, what about 2019? A turning, a changing, a rearranging. It will be like you turned the corner, says the Lord. All of a sudden, things look this way, but then you turned the corner and you went, wow. You turned the corner and it was amazing. You didn't know what was on the other side, but when you turned the corner, you went, whoa. I didn't see that coming, God. I knew it was going to be good, but I didn't know what was around the corner. So get ready for what's about to happen at the end of this year. But when 2019 starts, you're turning the corner. And just get ready to go, wow, whoa, oh, that's awesome, oh, that's wonderful. So get ready to turn the corner in your life. Get ready to turn the corner in your finances. Get ready to turn the corner in your marriage. Get ready to turn the corner in your family. Get ready to turn the corner in every single area of your life. Because when you turn the corner, you're going to run into the wonders of God that's going to cause you to go, wow. That's going to cause you to go, whoa. That's going to cause you to be amazed by the outpouring of the power of your God. So it's time to turn the corner. So this is part four, turning the corner. Go to Acts chapter 2, verse 2. I want to point out a few things that as I began to pour over that prophecy over the last few days, some of the things the Holy Spirit spoke up in my heart. The book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 2. Say, it's time to turn the corner. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready to turn the corner. Acts chapter 2, verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Acts chapter 9, verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. Acts chapter 16, verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. Suddenly. We're entering into a suddenly season. Because when you turn the corner and everything changes, that is a suddenly. That all of a sudden things were one way, but when you turn the corner, it changed. We're entering into a suddenly season when all things were one way, but all of a sudden it changed. Our God is a God of suddenly. The definition of suddenly is quickly and unexpectedly. 
quickly and unexpectedly. So it suddenly can happen. And people had counted you out. They gave you all the negative reports. They said it can't happen for you. But quickly and unexpectedly, it all turned around for you. That everything looked like it said, this is going this way. But all of a sudden, you turned the corner. And it was all for your good. Say, suddenly. But to experience your suddenly, patience is needed. As we taught last week, patience and faith are needed to experience the promises of God. See, for while you are cheerfully enduring or waiting patiently in faith, God is setting up your suddenly. While you're waiting in patience and faith, God is setting up your suddenly. Because a lot of times people think, well, it's been taking so long. And then all of a sudden it changes. What happened while it was taking so long? God was preparing things for you so that when it changed, it was a suddenly. So let's examine these three suddenlies in the book of Acts and see what we can learn from them. How did these people position themselves for a suddenly? How did they prepare for a suddenly? So let's work our way backwards. Go to verse 6 of Acts chapter 16. Verse 6 of Acts chapter 16. Say, it's time to turn the corner. Now when they, Paul and his apostolic team, had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to Messiah, they essayed to go into Bithynia, where the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Messiah, came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after you had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. So there were other places Paul and his apostolic team wanted to go, but they didn't have a release to go from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit directed them through a vision that they were supposed to go to Macedonia. So we see in verse 11, Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothrakea, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of the part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in the city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out to the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. This is where Jewish believers gathered to pray. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted there. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, she's a businesswoman, of the city of Thyatira, she had moved to Philippi, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, so her whole house, her whole family got saved, she besought us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay there. And she constrained us. So Paul, it seems like, no, we got other arrangements. Like, no, you come to stay with me. We paying for your bills. We got you. So they convinced the apostle Paul, this is where you stay. And it came to pass as we went to prayer. Where are they going? Isn't it a good thing to have times of prayer? So they're going back to the place God had already moved. And they're going to a prayer time. A certain damsel, a young woman, possessed with a spirit of divination, a spirit of witchcraft and fortune telling, met us and brought, she brought her master's much gain by her soothsaying. So y'all see this? She's also a slave. And her master's made a lot of money off of her because she would tell fortunes 
she would practice witchcraft by the power of this demon. This same young woman followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. Say, not one day. day. Say, many days. So imagine you are walking to prayer. You're walking around your neighborhood. You're going to round the block. And there's this young woman screaming after you, possessed by a devil. Sure, she doesn't sound normal. Yelling out, these men are the servants of the Most High God. This is what she kept doing. Imagine how annoying that would be. Every day. Multiple times, and she said it once when they passed by, she followed them every day. This is harassing. This is irritating. Some of you get irritated when your toddler listens to the same song 20 times in a day. Imagine this woman crying out after them every single day, inspired by this demon to yell these things. And this she did many days, but Paul being grieved, and the translation said he, he had enough. Paul was irritated. Paul was annoyed. Turn and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. So as you see, Paul and Silas did initiate the confrontation. The demon did. This young lady followed them for days yelling after them. Paul eventually became annoyed and cast out the demon and delivered the young lady. So it started, they were doing what was right. They were doing what was good. They were going to prayer. That's a good thing, right? Did they start this confrontation? No. They didn't start it, but they brought deliverance to that young lady. That's a good thing, right? But verse 19, and when her master saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city. They're lying. And teach customs which are not law for us to receive, another law, neither to observe being Romans, another lie. And the multitudes rose up together against them, and the magistrate ran off their clothes and commanded them to be beat. And when they laid many stripes, say many, many. upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jail to keep them safely. Whoever receives such a charge thrust them into the inner prison, that's maximum security, and made their feet fast in the stocks. So when the young lady's masters see they couldn't make money off of her anymore, they captured Paul and Silas. These weren't people who had authority from the government. These were just businessmen. They found Paul and Silas and captured them. They didn't say, oh, come with us. Will you please come talk with us? They captured them. This is by force. They take them to the city officials. They lied on them and incited a mob. The city officials ordered Paul and Silas to be beaten and thrown in jail. Remember, Paul is a Roman citizen. So number one, this is already illegal for them to do. Rome can come down upon them in the full power of Rome for them threatening a Roman citizen like this. So they've already broken all the laws. They oppress Paul and Silas. They beat them. They throw them into maximum security area of the prison. And we said Paul and Silas didn't start the confrontation. Beyond that, the only reason they were in Philippi in the first place was because the Holy Spirit told them to go. Not only did they not start the confrontation, they are persecuted, beaten, and thrown in jail for doing good. 
They have the perfect reason to be depressed. They have the perfect opportunity to blame God and cry. But that is not what they decided to do. Verse 25, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. So this is not a woe is me prayer. God, don't you see what they're doing to me? Why did you let this happen to me? Oh, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Apparently, you don't know either. It is a prayer that inspired praise. So we know it's a prayer of faith. Because by the time they said amen, they began to sing. Imagine this. They're chained to the wall. Bleeding. Beaten. Singing. And not quietly. They sang so loud the entire prison heard them. So everybody is listening to what they think, these two crazy preachers praying and singing. You know someone in the jail is yelling, why don't you shut up already? The jailer hears them singing, goes back to sleep, like what is going on with y'all? And suddenly, say suddenly, suddenly, there was a great earthquake. So that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. So this was just a normal earthquake. We know it's a supernatural earthquake sent by God. How do we know that? Just because an earthquake hits a building doesn't mean every door flies open. Amen. Just because an earthquake hits a building doesn't mean every single prisoner's handcuffs and chains fall off. Amen. God sent an earthquake that shook the building to its foundations, swung open every single door, and broke every chain. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, with that type of earthquake, I guess so. And seeing the prison doors open, he drew out a sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. He wakes up and sees all the doors open. You would think if all the doors are open in the prison, everybody has escaped. Because nobody's moving. He's looking through the hallways. There's no one in the hallways. Every door is open. He thinks they're going to kill me. When they find out, I let every single prisoner escape. So he decided, I, I, I'll take my own life. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, hey, don't hurt yourself. We are all here. You know, that's another miracle. All the doors swung open. Not a prisoner moved. Because all the prisoners knew these preachers, God sent this earthquake. We heard them praying. We heard them singing. And as they sang, the earth began to move. We know it's their God who did it, so we ain't going nowhere. Because we know who opened these doors. He says, don't hurt yourself, we are all here. Therefore he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? He knew they were in jail for preaching. He knew they were in jail for delivering this young girl. He heard them pray. He heard them sing. When God sent the manifestation of his power, he cried out, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that was in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night. So he took them out of jail to his own house, washed their stripes and was baptized. He in all his straight way. He and his entire family got born again, same night. And when he had brought them into his house, he fed them and rejoiced, 
believing in God with all his house. So how did Paul and Silas prepare themselves for suddenly? Number one, they were on mission. Say they were on mission. What I mean by being on mission? They were doing what Jesus had told them to do. So number one, they were on mission or they were doing what Jesus told them to do. Number two, they didn't let persecution or Satan's attack shake their faith in God. Number two, they didn't let persecution or Satan's attack shake their faith in God. Number three, they prayed and sang praises in faith. Number three, they prayed and sang praises in faith. Understand this. Satan may start stuff, but God knows how to finish it with a suddenly. Satan may start stuff, but God knows how to finish it with a suddenly. Don't be moved by Satan's attacks. Expect God suddenly. As you go into 2019, don't be moved by what Satan does. Just expect a suddenly from your God. Go to Acts chapter 7. This will set us up to the suddenly in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 7, verse 57. Satan may start stuff, but God knows how to finish it with a suddenly. Acts chapter 7, verse 57. This is Stephen giving a masterful sermon. The history of Israel, what God did. It brings conviction to the religious leaders. So much so they began, because Stephen is preaching. They're getting angrier and angrier as he's preaching. And all of a sudden, his, the eyes, his eyes open, and in the spirit he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He begins to see what it says, and this enrages them even further. And so they rush him, cried out with a loud voice, stopped the ears, and ran upon him with one accord, and cast him out of the city and stoned him. So they threw him over this cliff, and they began to throw rocks at his head. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul because they didn't want to get their clothes messy while they killed the man. And so you leave the clothes with the dude who's in charge. Saul is in charge. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he said this, he fell asleep. Notice the type of man Stephen was. We know he was a deacon. We know he served. We know he did miracles, signs, and wonders. But notice the type of person. They are killing him. But he's not even addressing it. Lord, receive my spirit. Forgive them. Who does he sound like? Jesus. And then he was gone. Go to chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him, great weeping and mourning. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women committed them to prison. So he went into houses, found believers, arrested them, and threw them in jail. 
Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. As you study the book of Acts, you will see that although the church was growing and successful in some areas, it also had a huge area of disobedience. Although it was growing and successful in some areas, the early church had a huge area of disobedience. Jesus told them after the Holy Spirit was given that there were to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus told them to go into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. Say every creature. creature. Not just the creatures in Jerusalem. But after the Holy Spirit was given, they camped out in Metro Jerusalem. They hadn't fulfilled the command of Jesus. And through this open door of disobedience, Satan attacked. He brought persecution and huge pressure upon the early church. As a result of this pressure and attack, the church didn't cower. They went and fulfilled the mission of Jesus. Satan's plan backfired. As the believers got on mission, Jesus intervenes in the situation. You see in chapter 9, verse 1, And saw yet breathing out threatenings and slaughtered against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus and to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, any believers... Any Christians, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? See, Jesus takes it personally when people mess with you. And he said, who are you, Lord? The word Lord means supreme in authority. Quickest conversion in history. How do you know he's converted? The Lord said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the bricks. And trembling and astonished, said, Lord, quickest conversion. What will you have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told you what you must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. They all knew what Saul was supposed to do. Saul was a terrorist. He's gotten more political authority to expand his terrorism so that he can bind more Christians, not just in Jerusalem. He knew they had scattered, so he's going after them. And as he's walking to the city to fulfill his mission, he sees a bright light suddenly, and he sees Jesus and hears his voice. But all those with them hear Jesus talking too. Nobody is saying a word. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were open, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. We know the story. He gets to Damascus. God sends a believer unto him. He gets baptized in the Holy Ghost, and Saul eventually becomes the great apostle Paul we just read about. But notice, as the believers got on mission, Jesus suddenly appears to the chief agent of Satan's plan, and he is converted suddenly. So how did the church prepare for a suddenly here? The church returned to its mission to fulfill the command of Jesus. The church returned to its mission to fulfill the command of Jesus. Now go to Acts chapter 1. Let's prepare for the suddenly of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 1. Look at verse 4. And Jesus, being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. 
For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When, then, when they therefore were come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times of the season which the Father has put in his own power. See, there's some times and seasons you will not know of. But that doesn't mean to know every time or season. But he's talking about specifically the day he returns and the day everything's given back to Israel. But notice what Jesus says, this is what you need to be focused on. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Here's the mission again. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Let's keep down to verse 14. So, you know, Jesus ascended up into heaven. Angels appear. says, why are you staring up to the sky? Jesus is coming back again. So they go back to Jerusalem because Jesus told them that's where they're supposed to go. And what do they do? These all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Because, you know, the brothers of Jesus did not believe and Jesus until after his resurrection. So all these believers are gathering together in the upper room. Now, when you read through the letters of the Apostle Paul, he says Jesus appeared to at least 500 people after his resurrection. 500 people after the resurrection. But you get to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with, with one accord in one place, and suddenly, say suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit was given. He was given 10 days later. It was not like a long time. It wasn't even two weeks. He was given 10 days later on the day of Pentecost. God set time for the outpouring because God has set times and modes in his calendar. The apostle Paul reveals that Jesus appeared to 500 people after he had been raised from the dead. Only 120 people were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Where were the others? Could you, be ima could you imagine if you skipped church that day? The day of Pentecost where the Holy Ghost was poured out. All of a sudden you're looking on Instagram and you see an Insta story. Oh, man, all that happened at church today? Look at that fire on Peter's head. What's, what's going on? Where were the rest? They missed out on this outpouring. Look at your neighbor and say, don't miss out on the outpouring. <laughs> so how did the church prepare for this suddenly? Number one, the church continued in prayer. The church continued in prayer. As you'll hear in the next few weeks, we're starting off the year with 40 days of prayer. Number two, the church continued to gather as Jesus instructed. Because not only did they continue in prayer, they gathered together, so they weren't skipping meetings. They didn't just come to church. Oh, I feel led to go to church this morning. Well, great. What about the days you don't feel led because you're too tired because you stayed up too late? Well, you don't have to be led to go to church. Jesus already said go to church, so go to church. The church continued to gather as Jesus instructed. Number three, the church operated in unity. The church operated in unity. Go to Isaiah chapter 48, verse 3. It is a suddenly season. We need to get ready to turn the corner. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 3. Notice what God says. 
I have declared the former things from the beginning. And they went forth out of my mouth, and I showed them. I did them suddenly. Say suddenly. And they came to pass. The New Living Translation says it this way. Long ago, I told you what was going to happen. Then suddenly, I took action, and all my predictions came true. When God says it, he will do it. God has a set time for suddenly. And we're entering into that set time. So let's look at the prophecy again. What about 2019? A turning, a changing, a rearranging. It would be like you turn the corner, says the Lord. All of a sudden, things look this way. But when you turn the corner, you went, wow. You turned the corner and it was amazing. You didn't know what was on the other side. But when you turned the corner, you went, whoa, I didn't see that coming, God. I knew it was going to be good, but I didn't know what was around the corner. So get ready for what's about to happen at the end of this year. But when 2019 starts, you're turning the corner. And just get ready to go, wow, whoa, oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's wonderful. So get ready to turn the corner in your life. Get ready to turn the corner in your finances. Get ready to turn the corner in your marriage. Get ready to turn the corner in your family. Get ready to turn the corner in every single area of your life. Because when you turn the corner, you're going to run into the wonders of God. That's going to cause you to go, wow. That's going to cause you to go, whoa. That's going to cause you to be amazed by the outpouring of the power of your God. And so when I began to look at the prophecy again, I began to think about things that were grabbing my attention. You know, suddenly it's what gets everybody's attention. Turn in the corner, everybody rejoices and shouts over that. But as I began to pay attention to it, and I think it's maturity as a believer that spoke this, I noticed the emphasis on getting ready or preparation. Notice the emphasis the Holy Ghost gave on getting ready or preparation. Because as we know, preparation is never lost time. Because you can get into a suddenly season and not be ready for it and miss out on what God has for you. Don't miss this suddenly season. So how should we prepare? So I'm going to recap some of the things we said on Wednesday nights and as we begin to wrap this up. Number one, take time for self-introspection. Take time for self-introspection. As we said before, these are days of all. Analyze your life, not your neighbor's life. Spend some time praying in the spirit and get before God and ask him to show you areas that you are missing. As he shows you areas, make the proper adjustments. Many times people begin times of reflection and introspection right at the end of the year. They go into the next year still trying to come up with a plan or a resolution. Get before God now and ask his wisdom. Get his plan now and set your faith to carrying out that plan. Also on October 14th, through tongues interpretation, tongues that the Holy Spirit said, we could also prepare for what's in store by increasing in reverence for him, his word, and his name. So number two, increase in reverence. As we covered a number of weeks ago, the KJV uses the word fear for reverential awe and respect. We should have respect towards the name of the Lord. We shouldn't be flippant in its usage. Because you won't be able to use that name in faith when you need to if you flippantly use it all the time. 
If you're always saying the name of the Lord, whether in vain or not really meaning it, when you need to release faith in that name, which can produce the miraculous, you'll have no faith for that name because it's just another catch-all word for you. Increase in reverence for his name. Increase in reverence for his word. Increase in reverence for him. Reverential all and respect. Number three, be harvest-focused. Be harvest-focused. We are entering a time of abundant harvest. We shared a couple weeks ago one of the things the Lord said to Brother Cope about 2019. It is a year of abundant harvest. As it is a year of abundant harvest, you need to be harvest-focused. You need to be actively focused on reaping the harvest that is in front of you. One reason we're sending out those emails on Friday is to get you ready. Now, harvest is just whatever you sow, you get a harvest of. So if you have a negative harvest, repent. Turn from what you're doing and change your mind and receive a crop failure. Number four, we taught this on part two of the series. Understand we have been in a long season of national judgment. We have been in a long season of national judgment. I'm not talking about months. I'm not talking about a couple years. This has been more than a decade and a half of national judgment. Now the season of judgment of this nation is nearing completion. The result will not be its destruction. Imagine an old school mop, and you have a dirty floor. When you take this mop, and you pour out the solution in the water, and you begin to mop the dirty floor, at first, the floor looks worse. It looks dirtier. But after a while, it will be clean. So stop worrying about what you see in the nation. He said, it looks worse. It looks dirtier. What's going on, Jesus? He's just doing some mopping. Because when it's all said and done, the best of the nation is ahead of it. Not in the past, but in the head of it. Understand also this about judgment. God doesn't say, well, it's time to judge people. Zap. Here's how judgment works. Derek, can you stand up for a second? Jump. Now, did y'all see God pushing back down to the earth? Y'all didn't see? Let me try it again. Jump. Did y'all see it this time? Pay attention. Just look. Focus. Focus. I know you had a lot of turkey this week. Focus. Did y'all see it? No. What brought him back down? Gravity. Laws of seed time and harvest work like the law of gravity. Thank you, Derek. People can see a harvest of negative seeds and receive judgment on their lives and think, oh, God judged that person. No, not accurately. They just received a harvest of what they've been doing. Another word for judgment time is harvest time. Judgment time, people just receive a harvest of what they've been sowing. So understand this about judgment. If someone jumps in the air, God doesn't push them back down to the earth. Gravity brings them back down. It's a law. And the same way people receiving the results of the seeds they sow is not God directly punishing them. They are just reaping their harvest. If you're living right and sowing the correct seeds, a time of judgment shouldn't scare you because you have a harvest in front of you. As we shared a few Wednesdays ago, when judgment is finished, we got to see this. We look at times of judgment in the word of God. When judgment is finished, the people of God come out shiny. They come out blessed. And they come out with prosperous. You mean spiritually prosperous? No, not just spiritual prosperous. They come out with stuff. When Egypt was judged, 
God's people came out with stuff. Just because of the season of judgment of this nation, not important to go to mourn and be overly concerned. God knows what he's doing. There's no way it's coming over. You're coming out with some stuff. You're coming out shining, coming out blessed. You're coming out prosperous. Number five, say number five. Save. Save. If you do not have a savings account or a savings plan, you need to go get one now. Say now. Right now. In a time of abundant harvest, Joseph saved, we see in this book of Genesis, 20% of what Egypt brought in. Because he saved the 20%, the empire was preserved from starvation. Joseph also used what he saved during the prosperous years to buy up the land during the years of famine. So during the time of famine, during economic downturn, he bought up real estate because he saved during the prosperous years, the year of abundant harvest, a year of bumper crops. Number six, sow. Say sow. In a time of famine, Isaac sowed. We see in the book of Acts, the disciples in Antioch gave. Seed time and harvest also governs finances. You need to sow into the upcoming abundant harvest. And for the time that lies after that. Because after this time of upcoming abundant harvest, as I shared on part three of the series you can listen to, there is coming an economic downturn. But the thing is, you'll be prepared. And because you're prepared, you'll prosper. You won't suffer during the time of economic downturn. You'll prosper. And not only will you and yours have more than enough, you can be used by God to help those who don't. When you come into this next season of abundant harvest or the season afterwards, don't be the person that doesn't have seed in the ground. Don't be the person that doesn't have seed in the ground. Look at one neighbor and say, you need to sow. Look at your other neighbor and say, don't be the person that doesn't have seed in the ground. Because remember, whatever you sow, you'll reap, right? So remember, it's not just what you sow, it's also how you sow. Be quick to sow. Quick to forgive. Quick to obey God. Quick to repent. Because your speed is also a seed. And if you want to receive suddenly, then you need to suddenly obey. God tells you to sow, you suddenly sow. God tells you to forgive, you suddenly forgive. God tells you to do something, you do it suddenly. You don't just let it draw on and on and on. Well, maybe one day, God, I'll do what you said. No. You do what God says suddenly if you want to experience the suddenly. We see in the Gospel of Mark, one of Mark's favorite phrases to use, he uses it over 40 times in the whole gospel is the word suddenly or straightway or immediately. What is he saying? He describes the ministry of Jesus. Jesus took action. And there's several times he took action suddenly. Mark pictures him as a servant. He's anointed by the Holy Ghost, led by the Spirit of God. And Jesus, prompted by the Holy Ghost, would obey suddenly. So if you want to receive suddenlies, you need to obey suddenlies. Say, if I want to receive suddenlies, I need to obey suddenly. Say, if I want to receive suddenlies, I need to sow suddenly. Number seven, slice debt. Slice debt. Make your budget and stick to it. Find ways to pay down debt and renegotiate for better interest rates. So, well, pastor, they wouldn't want to give me a better interest rate. You got favor with God and man. Why wouldn't they? 
prayerfully get before God and develop your plan for saving, sowing, and slicing debt. Prayerfully get before God and develop your plan for saving, sowing, and slicing debt. You ready for number eight? You sure you want to know? Now, you don't have to do it. But probably good if you did it. Look at James say, pay attention. Number eight, it would behoove you to learn concerning investing in real estate. It would behoove you to learn concerning investment, investing in real estate. I'm not telling you to get involved in get-rich-quick schemes. I'm telling you to research, to study, to learn the laws of economics, to learn the different forms of investing, and pay attention to the market. You have holidays coming up. You got time off. Instead of binging on your favorite TV show, this is a great time to take time to read and study. And as you learn these things, get before God and ask him how you're supposed to invest or what are you supposed to prepare for. So don't just read and say, oh, this is a good investment. This is what I'm going to do. No. Now you got some information. Now you got some knowledge. Go before God and get some wisdom, which is the correct application of knowledge. So do your part and study. Get the information, get the knowledge, and spend time before God and get what to do and then invest. Buy up the right part of land. Buy up these different things. Get the plan of God and obey suddenly. Go to Proverbs chapter 10. We'll wrap it up here. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 5. Go ahead and read for the sake of time from the Amplified Version. He who gathers during summer and takes advantage of his opportunities is a son who acts wisely. But he who sleeps during harvest and ignores the moment of opportunity is a son who acts shamefully. The Passion Translation says it this way. Know the importance of the season you're in. And a wise son you will be. But what a waste when an incompetent son sleeps through his day of opportunity. Know the season you're entering into. Don't waste it. Ephesians 5, 15, and 16 says it this way in the New Living Translation. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Make the most of every opportunity. This suddenly season is an opportunity. Don't miss it. This suddenly season is an opportunity. Don't sleep it away. Prepare or get ready to turn the corner so that you can fully experience the wonders of God. Stand to your feet. That is the word of the Lord unto us. We got some work to do. We have some preparing to do. We need to get ready so that when we hit 2019, we can turn the corner fully prepared to be wild at the wonders of our God. So a lot of people want God to do everything for them. But there, you have a responsibility to grace. You have a part, and God has a part. Make sure you do your part so that you don't miss your opportunity. Amen.
We'll lift your hands to God. Father, we thank you for your word. We are not those who scorn at prophecy. We're those who believe and receive the prophetic word of the Lord. We thank you for what you've been saying to us in 2019. We say, sir, speak on. Keep telling us. Keep showing us that we may be prepared so we can access and walk in all that you have for us. Go ahead and open your mouth and thank God. Go ahead and talk to him. Father, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. All glory to your name, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the suddenly season. A changing and rearranging. We are getting ready to turn the corner. We are expectant. We are excited. Thank you for preparing the season for us because you love us. It's because you love us you give us a season. It's because you love us you've given us suddenly. It's because you love us. When we turn the corner, it's going to be wow. It's going to be whoa. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to cause us to stand in awe. And all throughout 2019, we will all be in awe of the wonders of our God. And we commit now to give you all the glory, honor, and praise in advance. Because it's not us. It's you. Don't take credit for what God does next year. After this next year, don't take credit. Don't say, I was just so smart. I worked so hard. I've gone to church for so long. I prayed this many hours. Don't take credit. Point to Jesus. Because as we said earlier in the series, when you point to Jesus, when these things happen, you go viral. And more people come to know you're Jesus. Give all credit to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.